kids in here on Thursday. And uh, from the school, they came last year. And uh, we had a great time. We did this song with them, which is hallelujah, 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 praise you the Lord. But you kind of do it as a two groups. So you've got one group filling this whole section and the other group over there. It's like, who can do it the loudest? But you have to stand up when it's your turn. So you go, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And then you sit down. And the others have to stand up and go, so it, it descended into shouting, not singing, <laughs> but they had a great time, and, uh, and, and they came to a section where I said, right, have you got any questions? So all the normal questions were being asked, you know, what's, what's this mean, what does, where does the word church come from, what, you know, what, where's the name pastor come from, and then I get asked the question, one of the children asked the question, why did Jesus die on the cross? So I looked at the teachers and I said, am I allowed to tell them why? I said, because obviously it's, it's the Christian faith and our fundamental belief is all around that. And so I proceeded to tell these children the gospel of Christ Jesus and his love for us. And it was amazing. It was a wonderful time. After which they had a drink and then I said, we'll do one last little song for you. We, we did things like Happy Day and... My chance fell off, my heart was three. So there was, there, you know, I asked them to clap and that was probably not a great idea because they don't clap in time. But, but after we'd had the drinks and they'd heard the message and we'd had a great time together, we just started singing Happy Day and 90 kids dancing in here to Happy Day. It was awesome. It really was wonderful. And... Around that, around the idea that like these children have not had any sort of contact with, or, well, most of them, I should say, not had any contact with God or church, apart from visits like that, you know? To be in God's house as, as, as we're worshipping and they're part of that worship, it was beautiful from this point of view. Heaven's going to be full like that. The kids just losing it with God and just playing at worship. So, so it's us grown-ups that have the issue, you know. We're the ones who are all sort of stiffened, you know. And it just made me think, and I've been thinking about this for a, for a week or so now. Just, just what do we w mean when we talk about being a Christian, becoming a Christian, following Christ, going to church, all those kind of phrases. And I realized that God doesn't see it the way you and I see it. So, like, we have... Even some of the songs that, that, that we'll sing, there's a, there's a great song uh, which says, I will pursue you. It's, an old, it's, it's not an old song, it's a fairly new song, but it's got this intention behind it that somehow we are pursuing God, you know? And then we sang, and, and we even sang, sang this one uh, when the kids were there and they absolutely loved this. I was going to do it this morning, which was, I found Jesus. It's like a brilliant sort of song to do. But again, it's that idea that somehow we're looking for him and we found him. You know, that's like, it seems to be our journey. And, uh, and one of my favorite books of all times, if you've never read it, I recommend it. It's called God Chasers by Tommy Tenney. And it's this whole idea that we've always had in this church about the presence of God. But again, it's this idea of, it seems to be that our idea of church, of worship, of prayer, of praise, 
of becoming a Christian is, is our journey towards God. That's not how, how it's seen in the Bible. It's not how God sees it. We will say phrases like, I became a Christian. <laughs> I got saved. I started going to church. You're very eye-centered, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. Very normal phrases, but it's not what actually happened. John 15, verse 16. And this will be like the theme of how long, I don't know I'm going to speak on this, but this will be like the theme of what I want us to grasp this morning. This was not our choice. This was not our journey towards God. This is the whole earth and everything in it was not made and then he hid for us to try and find him. The word is quite true when it says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He is pursuing us. Wow. From the day you were born, he set traps. He set traps that he might catch you through a song, through a friend who goes to church, through something that happens in your life and you might call out on God. Somehow he was chasing after you. God chose Israel. It says in Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people. So again, even like when we look back in the Bible and we think that the Jews are God's people and it's like somehow they've got his favour, he chose them. He set them apart for himself. In fact, I know in another verse, I think it's in the Psalms, it says, I didn't choose you because you were big and you were large and you were important and you were significant. He says, I chose you to set my love on you. That's why he did it. That's why he chose Israel. To show the world what a nation would look like if, if they allowed God to set his love upon them. Just what was potential was in a, a nation if they let God be God. Of course, we know Israel did what all of us do. And they went their own way. So many times they turned from him. But even if you read the scriptures, whenever that happens, God says, if you will return. In other words, I haven't gone anywhere. I have not stopped seeking you. I have not stopped running after you. You're the ones. So we, it's very simple. I shared this with the kids actually on... on um, on Thursday, Friday it was, Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9. Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9. This is after what we call, the Christians call the fall. Okay? It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, not the heat of the moment. I love to say that in this verse. They've already... Sin. They've already rebelled. They've already turned their back on him. And he still comes in the garden because that's what mankind and him were meant to do. Fellowship. So you've mucked up. You've got it wrong. Oh, God will have nothing to do with me anymore. The first thing he does is he turns up. If you've, I'll read it to you in a minute. But even if you, you go to the next big major sin that happens in the Bible is Cain kills his brother 
able. That's a pretty serious one, you know. And it says immediately that God comes to him and says, where's your brother? In other words, God doesn't say, right, that's it. Can't have anything to do with you anymore. God doesn't hide from us. But what happens in this story with Adam and Eve is it says they heard the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. The presence of God is here. The presence of God fills the earth. But it's us who hide from him. He's not hiding from us. He has been pursuing us. He has been searching after our hearts. He searched for them in the garden and they turned and they hid. But notice what he says. I think it's in the next verse. In verse 9. It's okay. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Not, what have you done? That is so important. That as we, as we listen this morning, God is more interested in our, where we physically are in relation, where are you? You're meant to be here. You're meant to be by me. You're meant to be by my side. You're meant to be in relationship with me. Where are you? Not what have you done? And it tends to be what we've done that causes us to step back, that causes us to hide. But I want you to see something, this idea of God pursuing us, God chasing us. Instead of us being God chasers, God is a human humanity chaser. He's a man chaser, he's a woman chaser. I don't want to say that. It's a bit, but, but like you read it in the scriptures, God chose Noah. God chose Abram. God chose Isaac and Jacob. And he even calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He loves to be associated with those people who he has drawn close to, who he has set his heart upon. He associates himself with them. He calls Moses, he calls David, he calls Daniel, he calls Isaiah. Everyone we read through scriptures, it's not people who turned to God. It's God who came looking for people. Are you catching what I'm saying? Are you here this morning because you turned to God? You may think you are, but you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I set a trap to get you here. <laughs> and once I get you here, it's so that you might know who I am. It's so that you might know how much I love you and how much I've been after you and chasing after you because I long for you to be free. I'll get to that bit in a minute. John 16, verse 8. You see, this whole idea that somehow I became a Christian because I was in desperate need and so I called out upon God. That's how it seems to be. You know, I realized I was a sinner. That's what the word that the Bible uses and people don't like that word, but I love it. Um, and, and I needed God. I realized that God was real and I'd been ignoring him. And so I, I came and, and, well, the Bible tells me something different. The Bible tells me that the Spirit of God, so you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all the Spirit of God, right? 
But the Holy Spirit was sent to do this, to convict. So if you have thought to yourself, I am terrible, I am really bad, oh God, can you ever forgive me? What has prompted you to feel that way is God himself. He's even got that. So chases after us so much that he convicts us. If you don't know this, if you've never read anything about revivals that have happened all over the world, a revival is when people, for no reason whatsoever, just start going to church in their hundreds and their thousands. God turns up in a town and people just come from their houses to go to church. And they say, why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> Something has stirred them. What is it that's stirring them? I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying this morning. He's desperate to catch us, to chase after us, to pursue us. But there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason that he's doing this. Even uh, uh, Jesus says, I think, in John 6, 44 to 45. John chapter 6, 44 to 45. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. We don't even get here by our own steam. You ever, anybody like Star Trek or the sci-fi sci movies? I, I like Star Trek, but the, what happens is, have you heard of something called the tractor beam? Okay, the tractor beam is when one ship who's, who's really big and powerful and a little ship comes by and they send out this little sort of magnetic sort of field that makes that small ship be drawn to it. He can't, he can't help. He can't resist. We've got full power, but we can't get away. You know? That sort of thing. No one can, can come to God unless the, the Lord draws him. And if he's drawing you, he's set out the tractor beam. You're on the course for him. You might want to pull away. You might want to fight it. But you're on a course for him to meet with him. And I will raise him up in the last day. It's written in the prophets. They shall be taught by God. Therefore, anyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So God's searching for us. Humanity, there's a message of hope. If we think that the whole thing is about us getting it right, we're dead. We're dead in the water. But if somehow it's about God finding a way to reach us, then there's hope. Too many desperate people die desperate. Too many people without hope die without hope. But there's one who has come to bring hope to the hopeless. And that's what Jesus came to do. God persuaded you to choose him. He's so clever. He's like... Yeah, I'll never become a Christian. I mean, I've, been, I've met people like this. People in this church were like this. No, that's all a load of rubbish. Don't want anything to do with it. One man once said to me, he says, oh, that Christian stuff, it's a load of rubbish. He says, I think Christ was a Martian. Beamed down to earth. That was his level of thinking and belief. And now that guy hears from God, sees God, knows God, walks with God has visions, revelations. He's like, whoa, he's so real. 
I've got news for even him. God persuaded you. No man, no message, no, no preacher. If you've gone to church and somebody at the front has said something and it's, and it's touched you, what touched you was the Spirit of God taking the words that were said and it touched you. It's him who is persuading us. Why does God choose us? Well, here's what I'll come to. In most cases, God chose people in the Bible, it seems like, for a purpose. You know, one of my favourite ones, and, I, and this is just, if, if, you're, if you're watching, or you're going to watch it later or ever on, on Facebook, this bit, get it, because this is really important. God chose a man called Moses. Why? Because you had Israel living in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh keeping them as slaves. So they are captives and they are slaves. Now, in the New Testament, we understand that that physical experience that Israel had and that Moses had of being the deliverer is what, what the Bible calls a type. In other words, it's pointing towards something that's really going on behind the scenes. So let me tell you what that is all about. Pharaoh represents Satan. I'm not saying Pharaoh is Satan before anybody writes to me. I'm saying this whole story is a type, what we mean. So Pharaoh is represented by Satan, holding humanity captive, slaves to fear, to bondage, to habits. You begin to hear what I'm saying, you can see, well, yeah, I can see that. All humanity seems to be, have the same problems. We've either got problems, you know, drugs aren't just in England, in case you was wondering, you know. They're worldwide. I go to Kenya and they're just glue sniffing everywhere. The kids are off their head. It's not funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of Peter Kay then, sorry about that. <laughs> it's like, it's, and these kids don't sort of come up and go, oh, I wonder what, what's a good thing to do. Um, you, know, uh, you know, of my own idea, I think what I'll do is I'll ruin my life, I'll screw my head up, and I'll do this. It's like somehow they get drawn into, they go under this atmosphere, this attitude. And I want you to see that the Bible says that is the God of this world. Satan himself, who puts desires and needs into humanity so much that they reach out beyond safety and end up in death, some of them. And what the Bible's teaching is, God sent Moses to deliver Israel. He sent Christ to deliver the world. It says in the New Testament, Christ has come to destroy the works of the evil one. Who do you think that is? The evil one is Satan. What is the works of the evil one? Bondage, slavery, poverty, discrimination, hatred, fear, rejection, abuse. All of these are the works of the evil one. And Christ comes to pick someone out of that crowd. You do know Moses was out of the crowd. He wasn't special. 
Moses was not one who had come along and was like, I walk so holy, I'm so righteous, I'm so good, I'm so honest, I'm so pure. He'd killed someone. He'd left Israel, he'd left them and abandoned them. For 40 years, he's gone, man. I've, you, you lot, you're on your own, man. Walking around the, the wilderness with a bunch of sheep. Walks up to this mountain and, there, and then the mountain, at the bottom there's this tree, this bush that's on fire but it's not burning. And he goes over to see what it is and the, the thing talks to him. I don't know about you but I'm thinking, that's it. I've gone. Finally, I've, um, I'm, I'm a nutcase. But it's God meeting an ordinary, normal human being and said, Look, I want to show you what happens when I choose you. I want to show you what humanity is capable of when I step into your life. And Moses ends up doing incredible things. But you know, this is what I mean. We think, well, God chooses us to do something for him then. Is that the plan? Is that why God wants us? So that we can be his servants, so that we can just be what he wants us to be. So you've got to give up your life to follow Christ. It's a gr- you know, it's a great, te- great advert for Christianity. Jesus says, leave everything behind and follow me. But I like my job. Leave everything behind and follow me. But I've got a great bunch of friends. Leave everything behind and follow me. No wonder people don't want to follow. Because you're not hearing what he's saying. You're not hearing what happened to all those people who God chose. When he chose them, not only did they complete their task, but their life was transformed. Do you know when Moses died at the age of 120? It says he still had his full eyesight. And his health was perfect. This is because God chose him and said, look, I know I've got tasks for you to do, but I want you to know something. When I'm in your life, health will be there. Things will begin to happen in your life. Whoa. So I want to take you to a a, a character. His name's Peter. And he's, you know, he's the New Testament guy, Peter. He's not the perfect candidate. You know, okay, let's just take it back a little bit. God is in heaven and he says, okay, we've got to to send some way of rescuing the earth. So, Jesus, you need to go down. You need to become a human. You need to show people that it's possible to live a free life on this earth. Free from all its demands. And, and have authority over everything. It's, I want you to go and show them what it, what it can be like. Oh, and while you're there, pick a, pick a few guys and I'll, I'll build the, my church on these people. You know? And so, you'd think the one who he's going to build on would be Billy Graham. Come on. The man's Holy. I know he's going to be with the Lord, but you know, you'd think he'd go, 
let's pick the most religious, righteous, that's who I'm going to build my church upon. Because the church is important, you know. It's really massive. It's millions around the world. Let's pick someone to build all that on who's the right man for the job. Peter! Do you know what happens with Peter? First time Peter, you know, let me just say this bit to you first. John met Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. He says, good on you, I'm following. Nicodemus meets Jesus. Has a bit of a sort of, can anything good come out of, you know, but he says, yeah, that's me, I'm the mess. Oh, I'm following you. Matthew, tax collector, we love him. <laughs> you know, Jesus says, follow me. He leaves it and follows. Peter, his brother says, Pete, I found the Messiah. Pete's response, so, what's that got to do with me? I'm going to build my church on Peter, so. And then he says, next Peter, Peter has a second encounter with him, you know. His mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus comes to his mother-in-law's house. Peter's there. And Jesus heals his mother-in-law in his sight. And he still doesn't choose to follow. It's like, I'm going to build my church on this man. He's even seen the miracles, and he's still not there. So he goes in a, he comes to the shore, Jesus does, and he goes, um, I want to go fishing. He says, and, and Peter says, well, you know, you want to go in my boat, you can. He says, he says, push out from the shore. He says, and uh, we'll catch some fish. He says, you won't catch any fish, Jesus. I've been fishing all night. I'm a fisherman. We've caught nothing all night. He says, it's okay. He says, we'll push out from there. He says, throw your net down on that side. Throws the net down. They can't pull the nets in. They are full of fish. This is G Peter's response. Whoa, 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 whoa. Depart from me. Because I am a sinful man. What happened to Peter? Third occasion. He suddenly realized who, he, who this Jesus was. And who he was. And it's at this point that Jesus turns to him and says, don't worry, Pete. You've been a fisher of fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. How many of you know that the same man, Peter, goes through the rest of his time with Jesus, mucking it up time after time after time? But I'm going to build my church on this guy. Even at the end, Jesus is dying on the cross. Peter's sat by a little fire and a little slave girl comes up to him and says, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? No. Not me. Are you sure you're not one of his followers? No, no, no. Different place, different town. He says, you even sound like him, so he starts cursing. I'm going to build my church on this one. How did he change? We have it on the, in the Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, descends upon all 120 of them, and they're filled with the Spirit, cloven tongues as a fire sits upon their head. And they begin to speak in a different language. The Bible calls it tongues. 
But what really was happening was people had come from all over the country to Jerusalem because it was a special time of worship. And they stood outside this, this building where all these 120 are gathered speaking in these different languages and they put their ear up to the window and they can hear them speaking in their language the wonders of heaven. And they go, what on earth's going on here? And so Matthew gets up, no. John gets up, the one who Jesus loves, no. The one who could not say to a little girl, I follow Jesus, gets up in front of thousands and thousands and thousands and says, this is Jesus who you crucified. Whoa, Pete, hang on. Extremes. <laughs> you, you wouldn't even talk to a girl and now these great men and women have come to this town and you're telling them all about the Messiah. Here's the point I'm trying to make with this little story. Yes, Jesus chose him, but he transformed him into the man who he knew he really was. You might think you know yourself. You might think, you know, I get by. And God might be thinking, I didn't make you to get by. You might be thinking, I'm not a bad person. And you might be thinking, I didn't make you to not be a bad person. Some people, you know, as Christians, they have to do some hard things. There was a, a church in America who had um, lots of beautiful people in it. And, and they'd had their church services the same way for years. And, and some of their guys went out onto the street corners and, and did some evangelism and, and, uh, and spoke to a guy whose name was... Before Bill Johnson, the one before Bill Johnson. Somebody remind me. Oh, come on. Oh, Yvonne didn't know she was there listening. Anyway, this, this guy... He became world famous, by the way. Lots of people followed him. He, he's a, a drug addict, he's a dealer. He's, he's rough as rough can be. And someone witnesses to him and he gives his life to Jesus. And he, he comes to church with his family. He brings his, church to, his family to church. And the, the guy out the front says, have you been washed in the blood? Which he went, ugh. When on earth did they do that to you? <laughs> he had no idea what this language was, what these people were saying, what Christians mean by all the words they say. But he'd, he'd been touched by God. So he goes out and tells his friends. He walks up to all the drug addicts in the street and all the dealers and says, you've got to change your life, guys. Christ loves us. We've got to so they start coming to church. And one day, an old lady grabs hold of him as he stood by the door and she put, an old lady throws him up against the wall. Because now there's loads of drug addicts and dealers in the church giving their life to Christ. And she throws him against the wall and says, you've ruined my church. Some people, God saves because they've got to do something different, something drastic. They're all us, you know, conservative, nice Christians. That's not you, of course. <laughs> what? No, no. His name will come to mind at some point. Don't worry. 
The point being, Jesus or God is pursuing us, not just for a task, but because he wants to set us free. And I think what God knows is that in the task that he's given me to do is my freedom. In the task that he's given me to do is the joy that I always wanted. And I would go to this, 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 and this to get it. And God says, yeah, you know what? You know, I was here on on Friday with the kids. Not like I am now. I was dancing, jumping, screaming with them. Took me back to my days when I was young. And I used to run the youth groups. And God spoke to me as I was doing this message. He says, I did all that for you. Not for the young people who got saved. Not for the people who've come to know the Lord. I did all this for you. Because in all of that, you met me. In all of that, you found freedom. In all of that, you found my love. That's why I chose you. You see, we've got this idea that we've come and it's all our work and all our efforts. And he says, you don't know what it's in behind this, what I've been doing to get you. You have no idea. And then when I get you and you don't know why I've got you and you think it's because I've got something that I want you to do and it's like, I'm just your servant. He says, no, I've come to set you free. To be everything I desired for you to be. Is it possible? I look at this world today and I think, hmm. And when I say look at this world, I mean the planet, you know. Is it possible to believe, those who might be listening on, on Facebook this morning, is it possible to believe that maybe God made this planet for us to look after? And look what we've done with it. Is it possible that he made the sun, moon, stars and everything and he made us for a reason? Now, I know the sun, moon, stars, the trees, the rivers, the the seas, they just, the mountains, they just manifest his glory. They don't even try. You've only got to stand next to a really big mountain and see how small you are, you know what I mean? There was a great preacher once said, um, he he showed a picture of the Milky Way. You know what the Milky Way is? I don't mean the chocolate bar, (laughs) right? The Milky Way is our galaxy that we're in. And it's got billions and billions and billions of stars in it. And one of them is ours. One of those planets in there is ours. And the, the Hubble telescope was out one day. <laughs> just, and it took a photograph of the Milky Way. And there was, whether it was a reflection off one of the pieces of the Hubble telescope, but it left a, a, a shaft of light across halfway through the Milky Way. And in the middle of that shaft was a little blue dot. Don't know how it happened to happen. But right there in the middle, so there's billions and billions of planets and they're right in that shaft of this photograph is a little blue dot. And that was Earth. Not even actually in the centre. I'm sorry, humans. We're not the centre of it all, of our own galaxy. He says, and then you get to see billions of places. And how small it is. He says, and then on that planet, there's these little teeny, weed. 
minute things called humans. So small. He says, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. He says, but we are that small in the scheme. And yet, he set his love on this thing that he made called humanity. I want to just leave you with this idea. I think I don't think I've got a verse for it. No. So, my heart has been that God wants you to know that he's been chasing after us. God wants you to know it's actually his pursuit of us that brings us to him. But just so that you see that this has always been his plan. Jesus said these words. He says, I'm going to go to my father. He says, and I'm go- when I go, I'm going to make a place for you. And if I make this place for you, I, I want to come back again so I can take you to be with me. Christians have got a belief, you know. I don't know if all religions have this belief. Some, of, some religions seem to have a belief that we'll come back as a frog. I'm not into that, right? But Christians have this belief. When we die, we go to heaven. And I don't know about you, but I've known so many beautiful people who have died, who were followers of Jesus, close friends, even family. But this is what Christians believe. We're going to meet him again one day. Because for us, and for what, if there is this God who's chasing after us, this is not the end. This isn't what it was about. This is just the journey on the way that he wants us to actually enjoy and be free in that. When we get to heaven, there's no more sin, sickness, disease, hurt, pain. We ain't got none of that to worry about there. That's going to be just like bonkers amazing. Right? But then it says this. That one day Jesus will return. He's not stopped pursuing us. He's still chasing us. And he wants to come back again. Because he's not finished the the chase. He's not finished the chase. And this morning, anybody who's watching, anybody who's just here, you... He has not finished the chase. And I'm not just talking about his second coming now. I'm on about while we're alive. He's not finished the chase. Because what is the chase? What was it for Moses? It wasn't just a task. It was him being set free. Him being what God wanted. What was it with Peter? We saw all his flaws. And yet when God came, he transforms him. He transforms him. There's two worlds that exist. One is set against the other. One is dominated by the will of God. And the other is dominated by our own will. I know which will is the best for me. And that's his heart for you. Thank you so much for listening this morning. God bless you. Now we've turned that off.